You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Ding dong, the witch is dead. <laughs> oh, come on. Tracy, Dang. it happened. <laughs> Dave, this is the giddiest I've heard you in since, years. Since Jim Mora was fired. Uh, welcome, everyone. Your beard is growing right now. I see it growing. Yeah, no, it's it's. There's so full. much blood it's flowing gonna, to your it's head. It's going to turn red again. You watch. <laughs> uh, welcome, everyone, back to the broadcast. I'm David Woods, Brown Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network. And I am joined, as always, by Tracy Pearson. But on this most hallowed of days... The day that Chip Kelly ended his reign of terror over the UCLA football program, <laughs> choosing to depart for what is looking like Ohio State's offensive coordinator position, informed the team this morning. We reported it pretty much as soon as it was happening. And I think uh, we were first. I think we I were think first. We were first. We had it from a team source uh, in the uh, in the early in the late morning uh, this morning, we're recording at 1130. This happened about 40 minutes ago. Uh, you, you can hear the smile in my voice, so you don't really need to hear my bullshit. Tracy, how are you feeling on this fine morning? Um, just a little, a little feeling surreal a bit. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those things that y- you want it to happen. And we wanted it to happen for a number of reasons. First, in analyzing this and thinking we're analyzing it from a very analytical standpoint that um, it's the best thing for you, for UCLA football that this happened. And we don't even have to go into all those details. It's the best thing for our business. <laughs> yep. The straightest line to UCLA football being successful. And um, so, yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot ahead that's going to have to happen. Obviously the coaching search, but no matter who they hire, Except maybe one guy. Um, no matter <laughs> no matter who they hire, this had to happen for UCLA football to get back on track. There, there were it was untenable given what had happened, what had gone down since uh, you know November with the football program for it to go forward for another season. So, um, from that standpoint, we've got a lot to go through. There's going to be probably a lot of heartache. Maybe a, a losing season next year with, you know, maybe a lot of guys going in the transfer portal, but this had to happen to get it back on track. Yeah. Let me set expectations for everyone uh, for next season. It's a year zero. It's going to be a year zero. Just get that through your head. Going to be a tough one. Going to be way tougher than what Chip Kelly was dealt coming into the job. Uh, there's the transfer portal now. There's going to be there's a new window just opened right now because Chip Kelly is leaving. So these players are going to be able to leave currently on the roster set all of that aside we're gonna we're gonna handle all of that later right now it's all about 
this is the move that absolutely needed to happen. UCLA didn't make it happen, but from what we understand, they didn't put impediments in place to prevent it from happening at this point. Um, so that's good. That speaks at least to some uh, understanding of the situation. This needed to happen. The program was dead in the water. Chip Kelly was the most un- non-viable head coach that I've experienced in my years following UCLA football. More non-viable than Bob Toledo. More non-viable than Carl Durrell. More non-viable than Rick Neuheisel. More non-viable, this is probably the biggest one, than Steve Alford. Like, this was no chance not going to make it out. This absolutely needed to happen. There was no, And you might read some national media stuff in the coming days that's going to be all about well, you know, Chip Kelly putting it into back channels like, oh, it had to do with the budgetary situation at UCLA and all this kind of stuff. It's BS. That's all like in varying degrees true. But what made this non-viable was Chip Kelly. What made this something that couldn't continue was Chip Kelly. The decisions he's made in talent acquisition, the decisions he's made in coaching hires, the decisions he's made in how he runs his program has made this the position UCLA is in. Where... Going into the Big Ten, it was in a position where it didn't have a coach who was viable any longer. And that's all on Chip Kelly. Yeah, there's some points we really want to get across here. And you you made one big one. There's going to be spin out there that Chip Kelly left UCLA because of the budget situation. That he was, um, they were cutting his budget. Um, That it was a monetary thing. It was his, you know, he wants to do this. Um, John Wilner, who I've had a relationship with for two decades and have generally respected him, wrote a story today. And he, he, But there's a little bit of a spin in there that Chip Kelly is leaving because he's tired of UCLA. Let's just make sure everyone realizes this. This is um, of Chip Kelly's own doing. If Chip Kelly had won at a fairly successful rate, and not even like college football playoff rate – just competed for Pac-12 championships, didn't even win one, but competed for them. Um, I believe the fans, the donors, uh, the people who buy, who go to games, the ticket holders, uh, the administration, everyone would be fine with Chip Kelly. This happened because Chip Kelly failed as the coach at UCLA. There's no other way around it. Um, if they're cutting back on Chip Kelly, from what I know, that was more of a ploy maybe to squeeze him out. Uh, I, I mean, this is not on UCLA. This is on Chip Kelly. Number one, just get that through everyone's head. When you hear all that spin nationally, it's going to happen. I'm one hundred. I've already heard that they're preparing to spin that. So get ready for that. The way this happened, Dave, this is going to take a few minutes. So th- this is how this happened. I I always tell you how college coaches and most celebrities, people who are successful, make a lot of money. There's something a little wrong in their brain. There's some chemical that goes wrong. Um, I, I don't, humans are not meant to be vastly powerful and successful. We're meant to live in a cave and know about 30 people. That's about it. Um, so when this happens and all of that ego chemical floods a brain, it, impairs judgment. Chip Kelly was always coming from the standpoint that UCLA was so lucky to have him. When he first signed, when he first started coach, 
and that he was stunned at what he saw as UCLA's lack of gratitude for him being there. Even after the first three seasons, it was UCLA that wasn't grateful that he was there. That's, that's how this works. That's how, and it's not just Chip Kelly. This is most of the time college coaches have this massive ego like this, and they see it from this perspective. So he uh, had a chip on his shoulder as so many head coaches do. Jim Mora, who had a few good years at UCLA, there was always an underlying feeling that he resented UCLA too, right? That's that's what they that's what they do. And Chip Kelly especially always thought UCLA didn't appreciate him. Then he then he started to win a little. Now he really thinks that UCLA doesn't appreciate him. He didn't get it. He didn't get the UCLA fans not supporting him and and not appreciating that he had turned the program around. Just didn't get it. When it really started to break this season, I'm telling you guys, it was with that banner flying over <laughs> flying over Westwood. In his mind, I, my phone's going off the hook here. Me too. <laughs> with if you hear a little buzz in the background, I, I've got it across the room. Um, I think that was one. It was a cumulative thing, but that was one thing that contributed. That really showed Chip Kelly that wow, th- this UCLA community does not appreciate me. They don't get it. Um, then he started to try to recruit um, in the transfer portal and really, really struggled just to get players to come to take a, an official visit. He started to see the writing on the wall. But again, from what I've learned and what I know, he didn't necessarily think it was his fault. It was UCLA to blame. So looking at what was his viable path forward, if he's thinking, I don't, he, I think he believed from what I've heard that it was untenable going forward. He needed an exit ramp. Uh, that's when he really started stepping up and looking for other jobs. Um, he really wanted to target an NFL offensive coordinator position uh, really. And let's just make this clear. And it's obvious now that he was pursuing jobs. It wasn't that he was just sitting back and his friends were calling them. He interviewed, he pursued, he wanted out of UCLA. That's how this evolved. That's how this happened. It, it, it really came from the fact that this is the core, um, uh, catalyst all this he didn't feel appreciated at ucla for everything he believes he did for the program ucla fans looked at it a little bit more objectively and said you were practically 500 at ucla uh, no significant bowl wins uh, never competed for a pac-12 championship so yeah we're not satisfied when he thought everyone should be satisfied and that's reflective in nil too he just doesn't think that's part of his job description. And that's pretty common actually for college football coaches. Now they just, the NIL is another straw that's breaking them that they don't want to do it, which is kind of ironic now that he's at Ohio state and not in the NFL, but that was the whole landscape. That's what built up to this. And this is how that happened. God, that feels good to say Oof, to get that off, Dave. Get, get it that off was, that was amazing. Wow. That was Thank amazing. You. Um, yeah, I'm 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 um all of that cosign and also uh don't let the door hit you. Um just I mean lack of appreciation for the job, lack of understanding of the job, 
from the beginning, um, treating it like he's going to recruit like it's Indiana, but because he's such a genius in coaching, he's going to make it somehow better than that. And really one, one good year. I'm going to call it one. Uh, now that we're all past this, can we just put down our swords and say it was one and it was a year where he had a fifth year quarterback who'd started more games in UCLA history than anybody in history, an NFL running back, an NFL wide receiver and an NFL offensive line. And he had one good year. And even in that year, he lost to Arizona. Like, can we just let's, let's call it what it is. Uh, I'm, 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 I'm super excited to see what happens with Ohio state. I am really excited, tickled pink, to imagine uh, they think they're getting and then what they get. Uh, a guy who won't recruit and is going to run a pro-style offense that you need pro talent, and that pro talent needs to develop within that offense to really get it. It's going to be very exciting. Well, um, what's going to be interesting on just that point, I, I, I don't doubt that he's going to do pretty well at Ohio State. They do get NFL talent. I, and his scheme, his pro-style scheme, did well when he had NFL talent at UCLA. But I don't think Ohio State is used to a coordinator that is not going to recruit. I, I mean, the, he is not – you know, maybe he'll feel intimidated by Ohio State and actually have to recruit that, you know, he doesn't he – doesn't, have the same attitude towards UCLA that UCLA is just lucky to have him. Maybe he'll be a little intimidated by the program that is Ohio state, but I doubt it. I, I think that ego will still come out that Ohio state should just be lucky that they have him um, a, a genius that who should be in the NFL. And he decided to be the offensive coordinator at Ohio state. I, I, well, I, I'd, I'd God, I'd, it would be entertainment value to hear Ryan Day and Chip Kelly's discussion about recruiting. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think think it would be a long discussion. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So this is, um, I mean, this is just like for, for UCLA people. I mean, this has been, it doesn't. uh, So in fairness to Chip, in the slightest bit of fairness to him, I want to say this. And this is the part that I think has has made um, UCLA. Uh, it's it's been such an eyesore, uh, but it's been nine years of mediocrity uh, at best, and some truly awful seasons uh, stretching from the end of the Mora tenure through basically the entirety of the Chip Kelly tenure. And I don't want to belabor all the points we've made over the past, but like there was no moment where this got over the hump where you were suddenly like, okay, things are going really well. Let's build some excitement. Um, it never really got there. It had it was one good season, and right at the cusp, right at the moment where that might have been happening, they lost to Arizona. Um, but it's been nine years of just perpetual um, struggle for UCLA. And I just want to say, like, to the people listening, uh, you are UCLA fans. Um, it's amazing that you're still here. Like, it's amazing that you're as engaged as you are, um, that you're as engaged on our message board as you are, that you're as engaged on our site as you are. And you are like we're like this. You're still around. And like one thing that I I just really hold uh, to be true is UCLA fans get a horrible rap nationally uh, because of game attendance. And that's its own thing. But like from a passion standpoint, what what. UCLA friends bring to the table 
for the last 20 years. Like, go look at the results relative to, like, geographic location and relative to the fan engagement that we get on our site and that people are still, you know, constantly on Twitter talking about UCLA. It's incredible. Um, so you should credit yourself for having fortitude. And hopefully now uh, that long national nightmare is over because in the midst of the last 20 years of struggle, the last nine have been particularly bad, particularly awful with none of the like cyclical excitement that came in previous 10 years. You had the Carl Durrell era where you had that 10 and two season. Then you had 13 to nine. Then you had that excitement and buildup going into 2007. Rick Neuheisel, you had that all, you know, the excitement of the first couple of years. Jim Mora, you obviously had the first three years. The last nine years have been devoid of that, except for the moment Chip Kelly was hired. So now the hope is you can feel a little bit of legitimate hope again. Yes. And I'm sure then another question will be, well, now that we're, you know, we got our hot board out there that I just whipped up in about 27 seconds. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, no, we didn't have any of this prepped. Uh, we didn't, we didn't pre-write we anything. We had no idea this was happening. It was all, it caught us completely off guard. Um, I, I Let's, let's just um, rewind a little because one of the obvious questions is uh, why didn't this happen in November or December? <laughs> okay, I'm throwing my phone in the trash can. It's got to go Dude, away. I'm, I, I, I might have to do the same thing. I'm just getting text I'm after text after in, text. I'm putting in a drawer. Phone call after phone call, tweet after tweet. Yeah, and, I just put it oh, in a oh, drawer. First, I need to say this to everyone. Um, I posted on the message board 25 minutes ago a link to Men of Westwood um, for people to donate and do all that stuff. Uh, already an absolute ton of you have donated um i i think it's what's the first page of gmail it's 50 emails my first page is full with the notifications that people are giving so uh again speaking to the fan base uh you guys are still committed pretty incredible and remember how we said that we had heard from a lot of different donors that they were sitting on the sidelines of nil as long as chip kelly was coach i mean minutes after it's released that he's gone over easily our biggest response on our link to uh, Men of Westwood ever in this short time. Just overwhelming response of donations. Um, so, so there you go. Um, rewind a little. I know people are going to say, what, how, why didn't this happen earlier? Why didn't they see it happening? As I said, uh, UCLA is subject to, uh, within the football program, has been dictated within the Morgan center within the chancellor's office, there is, you know, there's just a lot of issues there. There's dysfunction. There's, there's self-preservation. There's just a lot going on there. Um, and UCLA, the chancellor is, is retiring in June. He didn't want a new coach. Um, he, he didn't want to make waves and hiring a new coach. He was hoping Chip Kelly would hold, would, would stay. Uh, just not from any kind of controversy that it could have had, but also from a money standpoint, right? Um, I, I can safely say Martin Jarman did not want Chip Kelly to leave. Um, his reaction through the end of the season, I mean, we had heard that there was some contemplation and consideration that Chip Kelly could be let go after the SU game. As soon as they beat, as soon as, as soon as they beat uh, USC, 
everyone, all the powers that be were ecstatic that Chip Kelly could stay and they wouldn't have to make this choice, that they wouldn't have to take this action. Um, that's what happened there. So now we had reported before, uh, this is a, a big question. What about Jonathan Smith and Jed Fish? Could UCLA had had a shot at both of them? It's hard to say. I mean, they didn't take a shot, so we'll never know. You, you, you know, you don't, you, can, you don't know if I you're going to, you can't <laughs> score if you don't, well, hold on. You can't score if you don't shoot. So it, either of them very well might've happened. Um, it might not have, I mean, UCLA is in, it would have needed some created financing, which was completely doable, but UCLA didn't even want to consider that. They just wanted to ride this out. Um, uh, both of those entities of the Morgan center and the chancellor's office just wanted to ride this out and, and didn't want to come up with a financial solution for getting, for being able to afford a Jed fish or a Jonathan Smith. Now, Dave, realistically, if they could, how much is Jed fish getting paid at Washington? Uh, like I think seven he's million. Up, yeah. I think he's 7 million now. Okay. Could you say I'd have afforded that with chip Kelly's buyout at the time? Wow, it would have it would have taken. I have to admit, it would have taken a lot of creative financing. They probably could have pulled it off, but I can I can tell you that they had no stomach for it. They um, need it's it's a lot of it is uh, uh, persuasion um, and really persuasion between Martin Jarmond and Gene Block. Because yeah, that's it exactly. It's between the the Morgan Center convincing the Chancellor's office. Yeah, that and this this has to happen, and there was no there was no motivation for that. Yeah, and that's so the that's problem. what happened. That's Jedfish, and even if they had put uh, now, we know Jonathan Smith wanted the UCLA job in theory without speaking about any numbers. Um, he was actually holding out to see if it would open up. UCLA said no, we're good. Um, so he turned to Michigan State. Now. Would it would have been had to be a situation that Jonathan uh, Jonathan Smith actually accepted probably a smaller contract, a less lucrative contract to go to UCLA than he would have at Michigan State. If Michigan State got in a bidding war, I mean Michigan State's got a crap load of money as we've seen in the last few years. They would have just kept bidding to get him more than likely. Would UCLA have gotten Jonathan Smith even if they were in the market at the time? Probably not. That makes this is no excuse that UCLA didn't take a shot at Jed Fish and Jonathan Smith. They should have. That should have been the course of their action that that with the uh, ad, athletic department and the chancellor's office. They didn't do it, so that was remiss, I believe. Looking at it right now, could they have got? Uh, could they have got either one? I, I don't know. Uh, that's iffy, fifty-fifty, or maybe even less. Yeah. I mean, I think that's all fair. And I think there's a way that I'm thinking about the job and the way it's transpired in the past that isn't the reality of the relationship between Martin Jarman, the athletic administration, and Murphy Hall. Uh, because Dan Guerrero, being a lifer who also had deep connections in the bureaucracy, I think he had powers of persuasion over Gene Block, who's not necessarily an athletics guy that uh, Jarman doesn't have. Uh, and then Block being on his way out also makes it harder and harder to, you know, open up the purse strings, so to speak. Um, 
that being said, we're now at this point. We're now in February, um, and this is this is the drawback um, because the reality is UCLA in a perfect world where funding and administrative stuff is all worked out, you fire at the end of November versus um, getting left at the altar at the beginning of February uh, because the the situation is just very different. Even if you didn't get Jed Fish and um, Jonathan Smith in November or December, hiring in December is better than hiring in February, no matter who you're hiring, because you have time to put a class together. You have time to poach the transfer portal. You have time to pitch a little bit of your vision so the roster is set up. Now, whoever is hired has to um, immediately shore up their own roster with no portal availability. Like all they'll be able to do is look at, uh, I don't even know if the window's still open for Arizona, uh, Washington, and Alabama, but look at those rosters, see if there's anybody who's still in the portal that you can grab. Uh, but then it's all about convincing your guys not to leave. And then, and this is a huge part of it, ground, hit the ground and immediately start working boosters because the job is not about 2024 right now. It's it, You're going to try to install your schemes, but it's a year zero. The job is about 2025 and beyond. It's about that 2024-2025 recruiting cycle. Can you nail that? And that's going to depend almost entirely on you getting money over the next nine months. Put together enough hope this season, like just install some decent schemes and have a couple nice players doing some nice things out there, and then pitch, pitch, pitch. Do a lot of golfing. Do a lot of schmoozing. And that's, I mean, and that's a huge part of the job. It's got to be somebody with major energy for that aspect of the job. It's been the aspect of the job that's been neglected most terribly for the longest time. And because of that, and because of the realities of college football, it's now the primary thing that the new coach is going to need to do when he arrives in Westwood. One apology. I got to apologize for that hot board. The The entry on PJ Fleck didn't didn't come out. Gee, Dave, do we have problems with our... With, our, seems... uh, with our CMS? Oh, my God. Things so, disappear magically with the 20... Yeah, it wasn't intentional. We shouldn't talk that, about it. It wasn't intentional that Tracy left uh, the pros blank. Um, it wasn't some intended uh, slight and, against... And now that whole thing is lost. So I'm going to have to rewrite this, which is just fun. Fun times here at Bro. So, yeah, you've got um, – Tracy just posted his hot board. Um, you should get in there and check it out. Um, there's a variety of names in there. Um, some are uh, what you might call um, established names, and some are at the coordinator level. Um, you know, there's there's – uh, the picture that's featured is uh, you did put his picture as the featured one, right? Who? T. White. T. White. I did. I did. Yeah. So the picture that's featured is Tony White. Um, that's a name that uh, is on the coordinator level. Um, people might not be familiar with him. He was a UCLA player back in the 90s, but unlike a lot of UCLA players that UCLA has hired over the years, like Carl Durrell and Rick Neuheisel, um, he's a name that's being talked about outside of UCLA. Um, he was interviewed for San Diego State's position this offseason. He's well thought of as a defensive coordinator. Um, he's recruited at a high level from a position coach on up. 
Um, he's relatively young. He's 44. Um, he's, uh, it, it would be his first head coaching position. He would be hungry, energetic, all that kind of stuff. Um, now, is it is it ideal world situation? Is it getting an established head coach who's proven track record of success, turning around a program like, say, Jed Fish? No. Um, but on the order of things that are realistic, on the order of things that could work out in a – like on the order of things that have high upside, um, Tony White would certainly be in that conversation. Um, and again, you're getting somebody who's Rocky long tree of defense. Um, he's put together, he put together an elite defense at Nebraska. I think it was their best defense in seven or eight years. Uh, he put together good relative to expectations defenses at Syracuse, and he put together a good defense at ASU. So, uh, there's a lot to like there from coaching chop standpoint, from recruiting chop standpoint. He just hasn't done the job. He hasn't been a head coach. So, that's that's the thing that's an unknown. It's uh, it's a slight roll of the dice, um, but UCLA more than likely is going to be rolling the dice in some way or another because again they're hiring in February versus November. So first, any coaching search is a roll of the dice. Any coaching hire is a roll of the dice. You're never assured that it's going to work. Look, they hired Chip Kelly and he was the most coveted name on the market, and it didn't work. Uh, they hired Jim Mora. And he's a failed NFL coach who there was no reason it should work. And it worked for three or four years. Um, you never know. But what adds to not knowing is trying to do it in February when sitting head coaches, it's going to be very hard to pry them out of their programs. Because, yes, these guys are mercenary at some level. I'm just soliloquizing so you can write. Um, these, no, these, I'm not. I gave it up. I said coming soon. There's no way. These guys are... Um, they're sitting head coaches. They're preparing for spring ball. Spring ball starts in uh, in a lot of these places in three weeks. Um, yes, they're mercenaries. Yes, they're willing to move to the highest bidder. But even then, there is some like personal considerations that factor in here. So sitting head coaches might be very hard to pull. If you found the right fit, maybe, but it's hard to pull. Coordinator level, much easier because everyone expects those guys to move on when the opportunity comes. Um, guys who are no longer in coaching, who are in a TV studio somewhere or just hanging out, you can also always get them, but that's a route that UCLA has gone down many times and it has almost never, except for Jim Mora worked. You, you, when you pull a guy out of a TV studio, when you pull him out of something where he has not been involved in coaching or involved in the college game in a little bit especially with the way the college game has changed drastically in the last few years from how hard it used to be to even harder now. Um, that's not an ideal route to go down. Here's the, there's so much to talk about here. Um, when we're talking, about, you know, we used to say, and this was, this was mostly when it came to basketball hire uh, hires. If you are an alumni that doesn't, and that's, that's on your resume and that's the primary thing on your resume that doesn't necessarily make you a good candidate to be the head coach. Uh, we've said that repeatedly that's, uh, and there's so many things to define on that. UCLA basketball is different than UCLA football. UCLA basketball is a blue blood. It can expect at times to get an elite coach. UCLA football needs to know who it is. Traditionally a top 25 program but where it is now, especially not being not being a top ten uh, traditional program, and where it has <laughs> dropped 
where it's landed after decades, it can't believe that it deserves an elite coach. It, it just, so football and basketball are different. So when it comes to uh, the alumni angle, those two job searches and hires are different. And uh, this is all related to Tony White. Um, when it comes to being an alum, the main thing that being an alumni, yes, it's good to have someone who has pride in the school, who respects, you know, the four letters, the the whole who the whole thing. But mainly, what it also does, it drives that person. First off, the person wants to be there, and he's driven to win at this level. Let's let's just do a little review of all the coaches in football and basketball in the last 25 years. Let's just do that. Let's start with Bob Toledo. He was he was uh, a coordinator, was initially driven to win at UCLA because he had to prove himself and did so at the beginning. But once that ego chemical coach thing started seeping into his brain, he changed. Uh, believe me, I have it on from so many people that firsthand witnessed this. He changed, became a completely different guy. Steve Lavin, uh, I can personally attest, was not driven to win at this level, was just happy to have that job, did not work his ass off to win at this level. I mean, to the point where, you know, at one recruiting event, when he had to be evaluating and watching the players, he was off on an exercise bike on the sideline. I mean, this guy was not driven to win at UCLA. Carl Durrell, uh, nice guy. Yes, UCLA alum was not driven to win. He was he was not that aggressive. I am crazy driven to win here. Just who he was. Rick Neuheisel, an alum, absolutely not crazy uh, driven to win at UCLA. Ben Howland, if you had any experience with Ben Howland, highly competitive guy, would work his ass off coming from Pittsburgh Coming to UCLA, a school he always revered and the program, had a chip on his shoulder, an inferiority complex that he had to prove himself at UCLA and did. And that's what drove him, drove UCLA program to get to those three final fours. Um, Jim Mora had failed in the NFL, was uh, sitting in the studio doing commentary was hired, was absolutely driven for the first few years to prove himself again. Program was successful. Then the brain chemicals seeped in again, as they do to all coaches. And he started to put a little bit on auto, not a little, he started to put it on autopilot. That, this is what, it's so easy to see. Um, Steve Alford, absolutely not driven to win at UCLA. Just wasn't, uh, didn't put in the work didn't care about taking the UCLA basketball program program to a whole nother level. Um, among all these coaches that we've experienced, uh, well, let's let Chip Kelly, obviously not driven to win at a high level at UCLA. That's just plainly, we've been talking about it for six years. If there is one guy among all those coaches who's crazy driven to win at this level, it's Mick Cronin. So just... All the guys who've been successful, Mick Cronin, uh, Mora's first three years, uh, uh, Ben Halland, it's the guys who are driven to win at this level. That's the defining characteristic. And as you go down 
as you go down this coaching hot board, just think about, I mean, we all don't know. I mean, there are some guys I know on this board. There's some I don't. And as fans, you don't know these people. But when you're vetting and you're, when UCLA is trying to determine its next head coach, that has to be one of the top two or three characteristics of a potential candidate. They have to determine whether this guy is obsessively driven and hungry to win. I think that's that's all there is to it. And I think when you're evaluating coaches this cycle, that's got to be the first evaluation for Martin Jarman. That's got to be the first thing when you're assessing them interpersonally. It's, is this guy driven? Is this guy ready to commit to the work that has to be done and being fully cognizant of what work has to be done? Because it's going to require tremendous amounts of energy. Like, it's not a job. You could pay me $6 million to do it, but it's not a job that, like, I would covet because there's a lot of work to be doing, to be done. And yes, there's a massive payoff if you get that work done. Like, if UCLA gets competitive in the NIL space, it's still UCLA in Los Angeles, baby. Like, there is, there's a lot of value in this job that's inherent, but getting there, the excavation to get there is going to require a lot of work. Um, and so much like you, you just laid it out, like all these guys who weren't driven and that was UCLA at more or less it's 85, 90% level, like UCLA operating at full capacity, you know, with budgetary and all that kind of stuff. Uh, it's not there right now. Um, it may get there soon. Big 10 money is going to solve some problems. But the first thing and the first rule in the first order is NIL. And the, this new coach is going to have to be, he's going to have to be as aggressive as Mick Cronin is, but maybe even more so because football is a, is, is a, uh, it's been rough um, and getting people on board, getting boosters on board, getting everyone rowing in the same direction. Uh, getting everyone at UCLA understanding exactly how big NIL is, how important it is to a football program and what the demand is, like how much money that actually means um, is there's a lot that UCLA has to do. And this new coach has to do. And uh, yeah, Dave, they need, they need to have drive, man. Dave, I got to tell you what there's, I was thinking of saying, preparing to say something else, but you said everyone needs to row in the right direction. Mm-hmm. Is that, is that, I mean, is that a little bit of an endorsement of PJ? <laughs> His was, row the yeah, boat? Row the wow, boat dude. Um, I don't think you were really trying to do that, but it was funny that you put it that way. So, um, yeah. Well, uh, so let's just, let's just, okay. So we got, we got our criteria and I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down this road because I know this is going to, this is going to get you talking. Don't do it. Don't do it. Do you, you want me to be angry? Do you want me to be angry on this podcast? Let's just, let's just keep it. Let's keep it contained within, within this, these little it. parameters. Um, let's just like someone like Tony white. Let's just say someone like Tony white, not necessarily Tony white, but someone like Tony white. He's been a defensive coordinator at five to four or five different places has done really well. Mid forties. If you're talking about just the one criteria of being driven to win, especially at UCLA, because this is his pinnacle. This is where he feels when I get there, 
I am going to do everything I can to win. I'm going to be so he would. And I, I mean, I am personally very familiar with Tony white and he is a driven individual. I, I know this about him, but even just to say he is an example of a coordinator who has to prove himself and is hungry to win at this level, as opposed to a coach who has had massive success in, incredible success. In, in fact, <laughs> don't do this to me so dave and i are doing this when we do this we're doing this we can see each other as we're doing it. i'm just looking at his face um the most success of uh, he brought the most success to his previous program and that was stanford and, mm -hmm. and david shaw so he he inherited a great program and he rode that for a while and did well but then in his last several years he put it on autopilot uh, I know firsthand reports that he stopped working hard and stopped recruiting. Um, he, this isn't a guy who's going to be driven to win at this level. Uh, he doesn't need the money. The last we knew he was making $9 million at Stanford in 2022. He does not need the money. It echoes a little bit of Steve Alford that his son is on the team too. I, I mean, there are so many red flags for someone like David Shaw. I mean, he has publicly came out and said he wouldn't embrace NIL at Stanford. Uh, and I'm not even specifically talking about David Shaw per se. I'd like to but about someone David like <laughs> but someone like him. This is not satisfying the criteria. This is Chip Kelly, it's Steve Alford. This is the same kind of hire. That's that, what this would be. That would be trying to uh, swing low information fans. Um, hiring a David Shaw. I would say even throw like uh, Chris Peterson out of a TV studio. Hi trying to hire him right now. Um, hiring these guys who have... I would take Chris Peterson. <laughs> no, 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 no. For the exact same reason. Very literally retired from the sport because he didn't want to do the BS anymore. Um, David Shaw quit his job at Stanford. He was not fired. Now it was a little sketchy. He might've been fired pretty quickly, but he, he left and he has not gotten any sniffs since then. Um, these are guys who fit two classic UCLA criteria, uh, for hiring a coach, which is doesn't really want to do the job and no one else would hire them right now. Um, so David Shaw, like, you would be hiring entirely based on a resume and entirely to convince people that you have hired well. Um, and that's the danger. That's the danger that, you know, UCLA could go winning down. the press conference, yeah, winning it, the national media. It's always the danger. I, I think with David Shaw, I think there is enough, like there, it was well publicized that he fell apart at the end with Stanford. I don't think, here's the thing with David Shaw is he's loved by a lot of the people in the national media, not to the same weird degree that chip kelly was but people like to talk to david shaw he's a really interesting guy and he's got very thoughtful opinions about stuff and he's very smartly gotten out of the college game because he has very thoughtful opinions and he understands how bad it is right now and how bad it is to coach right now which is why he was kind of done with it um i i this would be a bad hire I want to say that specifically. I'm fine going on the record with that. It would be a bad hire. Um, now, I don't 
I, I, I don't see them doing it. I, I, I know I don't see them doing it, but it would be a bad one if they did. Um, and I think I have to admit, I see them doing it. Mm, I can't, I can't, I can't you see can't it. Can't because you're hoping against hope. But I could. It's you're getting okay. Uh, it's a lazy hire. It's an easy hire. So, he lives in. He lives in Los Angeles. Just There's to give no everyone transition. the visual. Just His to give son, everyone the visual. I was relaxed and I was sitting back in my chair. I'm now hunched yeah. over. And his face um, is I'm presenting. I'm presenting my bald spot to Tracy. Uh, this is my fighting position. Yeah. Um, <laughs> as I said, he lives in Los Angeles. His son is on the team. He's been around the team. Um, he would. It, it would be a familiar hire, um, a comfortable hire. They would. They would win the national. Like you said. Yeah, it was documented what happened in his last few years. But generally, the national press still has a good uh, um, read and a, and a good impression of, of David Shaw. They just do. So that would say, you could see the headlines. UCLA hits a home run in hiring David Shaw. Um, that would, I think that resonates with, with UCLA. He has a lot of money. You wouldn't necessarily have to pay him a lot. I mean, there's so many things that seem like it would. I'm not pro it. I just want to make sure I I am not uh, supportive of this, but I could see UCLA falling into it very easily. Yeah. Okay. We can't end. Dave, are you on? (laughs) No, we're not. We're not going to end on that. No way. Um. Yeah, I mean, look, th- that's that's probably the um, the truest like dichotomy in this potential search. Um, yes, there is a chance there's a unicorn out there that they hire a sitting head coach who fulfills the criteria of being you know young and hungry and all that kind of stuff, but also is successful. I mean, we've we uh, uh, you you've got a name in there, uh, Jason Candle, the um, Toledo head coach, which might even fill all of that criteria, um, but. There's a there's just so many unknowns when you're hiring a guy who's completely outside of the footprint. Um, and, you know, there's there's guys like on the basketball side, Mick Cronin, who uh, who was sort of that he'd always been outside of the footprint. But uh, talking to Mick Cronin, it became obvious that first he'd always coveted the job. Second, UCLA basketball is different from UCLA football in that UCLA basketball will and always does and always will have just this universal cachet that will attract candidates who otherwise would not maybe be interested in the job because it does have that just, especially for a guys of like a 45 and older or 50 and older set uh, because they remember when it was, when it was UCLA um, and it's still very good. It's still a very good job, but they remember when it was even more than that. Um, and I think for football, it's a little bit different, but, I mean, here's the thing for Jarman, and I think this is maybe my my major thing, is it's February. There's no rush. Like, there really isn't. I mean, you want to get it done quickly because you want to shore up the current crop of guys. This is going to be a bad year no matter what. Like, it, it wasn't going to be good. Um, I, I think my major thing is if this takes a couple of weeks, it's not the end of the world. You can vet. You can look around. You can do a lot of different things. Um, 
I, I wouldn't try to jump on the first immediate name that, you know, expresses interest um, unless it's the right one. I mean, the thing is, if it's if it's two days or two weeks, it's all going to be about finding the right guy. If you feel you find him within a couple of days, that's great. But if it takes two weeks, I don't think anyone's going to kill him for it taking two weeks. Like it's, it's, I, I think they'd understand given the timing too. Yeah, I think I mean, most, it, don't, uh, you know, in, when it comes to coaching hires, the <laughs> it's in the, it's in the AD athletic director uh, guidebook. Um, you have a protracted coaching search. You look weak. You look like you don't know what you're doing. If it's quick and fast, it looks like you're a genius and you, and you knew what you were doing going in. That That's what they all think. And it's all about image right? It's all about image. So uh, many athletic directors, I swear, would rather hire someone within three days that isn't good just because it looks good. It looks good for them rather than two, three weeks and hire the better coach. Well, so that, the basketball search, the last, that's the reality search, of it. The last basketball search took what? Seven, eight years, something like that. <laughs> to hire Mick Cronin. Um, yeah. We'll say that. Yeah. And they hired Mick Cronin at the end of it. Um, I mean, there've been quick searches. I mean, Chip Kelly's was a quick search. They literally basically didn't search. Um, he, he was, I mean, they, they fired Jim Morris so they could hire him. Uh, that one didn't work out. I mean, we couldn't have predicted that at the time, but it didn't work out. Um, there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. I mean, I think it, that comes down to trying to, again, win the press conference. And I think th this is the, the like kind of thesis statement is that should be ignored. Like, and I know it's hard to do, but that should be ignored by Martin Jarman. This is not about winning the press conference. This is about winning games in the Big Ten starting in 2025. If UCLA has a hope in hell of doing that, they need to get a guy who can coach, sure, but who can fundraise, who can raise NIL dollars, who's going to recruit his ass off, and who's going to re rebuild the talent level in this program. That is the number one thing that needs to happen. And those are the things that need to happen to make that happen. The talent is not in a good place and it will be in its worst place this year uh, based on what's going to happen in the portal that just opens and what they just did in recruiting. Somehow yeah. getting the talent up um, via boosting NIL is going to be paramount and having the energy to do it. Now, the obvious question is going to be who we prefer, and I, I've got to do a deeper dive in all these guys, but I'm just, going to, I'm, I'm just going to say this. And Dave, you and I have talked about this for months. At this point, after the, the fallout of Chip Kelly, I, I would almost take just about anyone who has some energy. Yeah, it's who not wants to be anyone. there, who wants what? to recruit, who wants to be engaged in NIL, who needs to... Uh, who has a burning desire to prove himself at this level and is hungry to win. Anyone along those lines, I'm good with. To me, the only guy who isn't that on this list is David Shaw. So I'm at this point, I'm almost fine with everyone. <laughs> I got to do a deeper dive into them. But yeah, let's just not repeat what happened with Chip Kelly. Yeah, you could name 100 people and I would probably say yes to 95 of them. Yeah. Um, I, I, I can't, we're battered, Dave. We're this battered. Is, this is us being battered. It's also the program being battered. Um, this is, you cannot let perfect be the enemy of fine. Uh, like good enough. Like the thing is 
something needs to happen to change the trajectory of UCLA football. Um, because right now it's on a trajectory to be um, obliviated. Like it is, it is, things are not good. Um, and a lot needs to change and it needs to, that the slide needs to be arrested now. And again, I cannot underscore enough how much of that was simply the fault of one man, Chip Charles Edward Kelly, uh, is 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 the primary cause of all of this. Like it's not UCLA. Uh, they're, they're the people that enabled him too. But we could talk about sure, that later. Sure, 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 sure. But you hire him, and you're 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 counting on him to do his best, and he didn't do his best. He didn't. And, and, and this didn't is where this and, is where we are. We can end it on this, Dave. And you've made this point like really well over the years. Um, how the first thing you need to drive a program back from the depths is, is hope. That, that's what you need. And you have always said it's a smarter way forward. Uh, it's a smarter business model in college football to just try a coach every three years until you hit a winner because hiring those guys every three years, when you hire someone, there's hope. There's hope for the fans. There's hope for the donors. I mean, as we just said, how, how many emails now, Dave, have you been notified about people uh, contributing to um, Men of Westwood? I mean, we're, we're way over 50. Um, yeah. And that's I, in I less think, than an hour. Yeah. We've gotten, I would say, 100 and uh, close to 100. Close to 100. Me. This is hope. This is what hope has been sitting on the sideline. Yep. And now it's not. And that's what you need. I mean, look at Kenny Dillingham at ASU. I don't know if that guy's a good coach. He's kind of got a good reputation. Raised a million dollars at one event. One event. A million dollars for a guy who looks like he's 19 years old. And sounds like it too. And has a lot of energy though, right? And this is what he's he's doing at Arizona State coming off uh, NCAA violations. I, I mean, losing their roster. I mean, just hope is what you need to build programs. And at this point, the UCLA program, including its fan base, is so beaten down. We've been watching the arguments on the Bro Forum for so long. I think this is finally a moment where everyone can smoke a bowl of hope here. And all of us pass it around and just jump on board because now we have a little bit of hope for the future. This is all anybody asks for. And it's all you're entitled to as a fan of a sport is to have some hope. And you hope the hope continues for a long enough period of time that you're satisfied. But the only thing you promise is the hope. And uh, UCLA was trying to deny that. Chip Kelly was trying to deny that for several years. But hope springs eternal. And here we are. There we go. All right. Well, for uh, for Tracy Pearson, not for Chip Kelly. (laughs) See you later, Chip. Uh, (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye-bye. For Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods. Bruin Report Online. It's a new era. Talk to you again next time. See you all.